the Denver Sports Tonight. Taking a look at the biggest stories in Denver sports. From your online home for the best opinions and information on the Broncos, Nuggets, Avalanche, Rockies, and more. DenverSports.com. And it is Denver Sports Tonight on this Monday night in the Mile High City. He's James Merrillat. I'm Will Peterson. We've got you for the next hour. James, welcome back. Thank you, sir. Does Glad it, to be back. Does it feel like... Uh, like playtime's kind of over. You get you got your big vacation out of your system. Yeah, and you know when when you factor in the one week where a lot of it was taken up by the Fourth of July, it was you know it's 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 been a minute. So uh, yeah, I was excited to get back. You know, you you spend better part of a couple of weeks uh, getting in the vacation before uh, Broncos camp starts because Will this weekend is this one coming up. It's the last weekend. Well, we don't have Broncos other than the bye week from now until hopefully Super Bowl Sunday. So it's uh, it's about to get really busy. It's the best time of year. It's a fun time of year. So it was good to uh, get a little R&R in, and I'm raring to go. Yeah, I hear you on that. But I guess we have to be a little careful. Like, that sounds all fine and dandy when you put it that way. But I don't think anyone's have, you know, July 28th, oh, we get to watch the Broncos practice is meaning that, like, the excitement of games is back. We've still got a little stretch to go before the before we really learn about this team, right? Yeah, true. I mean, we won't know anything, you know, a week from Saturday about this team necessarily. Although, first practice is a uh, week from Thursday, right? Uh, a I mean, week from Friday. It's the week it's, from Friday. Yeah, Friday. Friday the 28th. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can always, you know, get a pretty good sense of this team right out of the gate. So, by the time you go down Saturday, that's the big return to return to football uh, celebration down there. You'll, you'll start to find something out. Dude, but, I'm not trying to kill your buzz. I'm just saying I am seeing these stats like, this coming weekend is the last weekend without football until March. And it's like, all right, but everyone gets excited for the Hall of Fame game, and then we all watch six minutes of the Hall of Fame game and go, oh, no doubt. this no is doubt. why the Hall of Fame game is the Hall of Fame game. Like, yeah, it's, it's going to take a little – yeah, true. It's going to take a little <laughs> rhythm. That's all I'm saying, James. I'm not trying to be a buzzkill. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And maybe I was talking a little bit more work, right? Like, well, there'll be work every weekend, even when it's just training camp and preseason and all the rest of it. So – um, but I'm excited about it. I, I As this season gets closer and closer, Will, I am more pumped up about it. I, I think Sean Payton is going to make all the difference in the world with just this team that has been so mismanaged the past, I don't know, four, five, six years. Um, I think Russell Wilson is going to have a big year. I know you know you, there was a story of him up at CU this, uh, was it this weekend today? He was up there uh, throwing with Shadur Sanders. And you look at those pictures. Dude, that guy looks like a totally different human being. He does. I mean, he looks like like the the weight loss thing. He took it very seriously. We all noticed it in what April, and then he's he's obviously kept it off the last two months. I mean, he looks like a, a specimen again, James. He looks like an athlete as opposed to he he had his dad bod last year. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, we all saw the pictures that people would put up of here's what Russell Wilson looked like at the combine, and then here's what he looked like last season, and it was night and day. He's somewhere in the middle of that spectrum now, but in a good way, right? Like, yeah, I mean, it, you, if you had to make your choice, you'd take Russell Wilson at the Combine versus how he looked last year, but that's still a little too slight. I mean, that dude is ripped. I mean, he looks raring to go. So, uh, look, we, we all got to see it happen on the field, and, you know, the, the games will, will ultimately be the proof. But in terms of just having reasons to be optimistic – there are a lot of them out there. There really are, and you know, people aren't going to rain on my parade when it comes to this Broncos team. I am more bullish on them now than when the schedule came out and I got them. I had them at twelve and five. I'm not saying I'm moving off of that. I just feel better about that twelve and five than I did that night. 
See, I think you're in the minority there because so many of us feel so burned um, by what happened last year. I brought this up with Rachel last week, James. You remember when Hackett and Outen were at the Nuggets game and they were banging the drum and we're going to score a lot of points and ballerina erupts and everyone's got Russ fever, Russ mania. And then this year at the Nuggets game, Sean Payton got like a golf clap when, when they showed him on the big screen because people are... I think, uh, you know, every year with Trevor Simeon and Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater and Joe Flacco and Case Keesum, I know it's not Keesum, but you know what I'm saying. Every year with those guys, I think people were like, yeah, yeah, we'll see. And then with Russ, everyone bought so in, James, and everyone felt so lied to based on what happened last season that, man, you are on an island 12-5. and five. I think cautious I optimism is is the most I can I can even get to. I am driving the bandwagon. I get it. And unlike, you know, some of those Nuggets fans who wanted to be, oh, you said something negative about them and since 1998. You can't join in on the fun. I'm not going to be that guy. Everybody can get on the bandwagon with me at some point. Just, you know, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the driver, but everybody's welcome. And I know it's a uh, – I may be the only guy on the, on the bus at this point. But – and those reasons to be cautiously optimistic or even just a little bit pessimistic, I get them. I understand it. I also think, though, a year ago at this time, I was saying, man, training camp needs to get here because I have Russell Wilson fatigue. Like, I was just over it. I was over all of his social media stuff. I was over every single press conference during OTAs and minicamps, every question being, you know, what, what does it feel like to, to be in the huddle with Russell Wilson? What, what does it feel like to eat in the cafeteria with Russell Wilson? Like, it just was, I was done. This year, I, it's like, man, camp needs to get here, not because I have fatigue of something. I'm missing Broncos football. I'm missing hearing about this team and watching this team and doing all the rest of it. it my vibe right now versus 365 days ago to me, it's just night and day. I just think we missed all the red flags this last year. Uh, my eyes are wide open looking for him this year. I'm just not seeing any. Yeah, you're totally flipped because last year I picked him to go 12-5. and five. I was drinking the Kool-Aid. I was all in on this team, and I ended up with a lot of – a lot of egg on my face, but a lot of people did. I wasn't on an island picking the Broncos to go 12-5. and five. A lot of folks thought they were going to challenge the Chiefs for the division last year, and that just couldn't have been more far off. I, I guess you, you wrote something today at DenverSports.com that sort of ties into this with Russ, and, and you're saying that based on a Netflix show that I, I have only watched one episode, to be fair, but based on this Netflix show quarterback that we can no longer criticize Russ for having Jake Heaps in the building last year? Do I have this right? Well, you're pulling a little bit of a Dan Jacobs there, like taking part of what I said and twisting it into a narrative that fits yours. Um, but uh, you're not that far off. So first of all, this Netflix Netflix documentary series, Quarterback, is phenomenal. It follows all of last season, Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and Marcus Mariota. So you have best quarterback in the league, you have a pretty legit, darn good starter, but not a Hall of Famer, Super Bowl caliber quarterback. And then you got a guy that's trying to hang on to his job. It, it's fascinating to kind of see across the spectrum. So I highly recommend it. The part of Jake keeps being in the building, that's an issue. And we can, we can talk about it, but let's just put that aside for now. The fact that so many people got all over Russell Wilson last year for all the different people he's got. And he's got a, you know, he's got two different chefs and he's got a backup, you know, the backup chef and he's got a trainer and he's got a quarterback coach. And why does he have these people? He doesn't need these people. He should just be using the Broncos folks and all the rest of it. You watch this show. All of them have it. Patrick Mahomes has a quarterback's coach. He works out three times a week away from the facility. Marcus Mariota hired his fifth grade buddy to be his chef. So make sure he eats well. Kirk Cousins has this quirky couple come in and do this chiropractic work on him that looks like 
some of the most bizarre things going multiple times a week in his home. My point in the article was that's the norm. That's what the great players do. That's what the players who are trying to maximize their talent, that's what the players who are just trying to stay in the league, it's what they do. And to some extent with the new CBA and how you're not you're only allowed to be in the facility and around coaches and all this stuff so much, you have to do work outside of the facility. Everybody does it. They all do it. It's the norm from Patrick Mahomes to Marcus Mariota and everybody in between. So to, to, to rip Russ for it, I think is grossly unfair. I think it's just not understanding. It's a lack of understanding of how the league works now. But, but, but hold on, hold on. We didn't know that Mahomes had all these people until he did a behind-the-scenes Netflix show. Sure. Why did we have to know about it all from Russ? Because Russ put it in our face, That's like you said. That's a different issue, though. Yes. That's, so people are just put off by Russ's... What, that he tells you stuff? It's a, it's a personality issue with Russ. Like, people are just ripping Russ because they don't like him. They think he's corny, whatever the case may be, versus, hey, what does he do on the football field? You want to rip him for the interceptions he threw in the fourth quarter against the Colts? Go for it. Those were terrible decisions. You want to rip him for not seeing K.J. Hamler? Great. But, to, hey, we don't like his personality. That he puts all this stuff out there, and he tells us that he has a quarterback's coach. It's like... Man, you're just nitpicking. So we're gonna be we're gonna be ticked off that Paxton Lynch leaves the facility and goes and plays Call of Duty, and then we're gonna also be ticked off that Russell Wilson leaves and goes and works with all sorts of other people to improve his game. At some point, if both those things tick you off, not you, but the Royal you, then you, you're just never happy. No, nobody's gonna make you happy. But you but, but none of the, none of that stuff worked, James. He had the worst year of his career last year. So like. To, to some extent, Sean Payton banning Jake Heaps from the building is doing Russ a favor because clearly that that just didn't work out at all. I mean, Ru- Russ Russ looked like a guy who was a surefire Hall of Famer, James, to a bottom third quarterback in the NFL last year. He fell off a cliff. Well, so no, uh, we can't we, we Jake Heaps. Jake Heaps was involved when he was in Seattle, right? It worked out pretty well. Yeah, yes, but it, when it came to Denver. He had a real head coach in Seattle, there in Pete go. Carroll. When he came to Denver, he didn't trust Nathaniel Hackett. He there didn't. He, he he acted like Jake Heath was his head coach, and it blew up in their face. Well, and, and there are a couple of issues with it, right? So, you know, if we start kind of chipping away at this, the fact that he has all these guys, not an issue, not an issue. And I think the fact that he tells us about it, I don't know. If we were in Kansas City, would we know Mahomes worked out? Probably, right? Like, it, it was a re- revelation to us because we're not around – those three teams, the, the Chiefs, the Vikings, and the and the Falcons all the time, but uh, I just don't think that's an issue. Now, should Jake Keeps have been in the building? No, but if there's an unruly kid, I don't blame the kid, I blame the parent. Somebody should have put their foot down, and that could have been Greg Penner, George Payton, or Nathaniel Hackett. That's the first thing. The other part of it is I, I, I'm, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt, and my guess is hey, won't it just be much more efficient if instead I have having to leave the facility, drive over to, I don't know, pick a crossroad, county line and university, I can just walk upstairs and meet with meet with this guy and I'm, I'm going to get a lot more work done. I think the intent was probably good. It turned into something that was bad. So that's the first part. Let him in the building. You can't just blame that on Russ. The other part of it, though, if you're going to work with these guys, they have to be in sync with your current with the coaching staff, right? So if you're working with a quarterback coach and he wants to work on your footwork and your release point and some of those kind of things, fine. If he's helping you devise an alternative game plan and changing how you should go through your progressions or things like that, that's problematic. We don't know where the rub was, but we do know that Russell Wilson was involved heavily in, in game planning. 
that's not necessarily a bad thing depending on how it happens. So another instance, and I don't have this in my column, but another instance in the, in the, uh, in the series, I think it's episode three, the Chiefs every Wednesday, they have a period during practice where the players can roll out some plays that they designed, that they like. And Andy Reid watches him, and if he likes him, he puts him in the game plan. And Andy Reid clearly says, I'm, I get 51% of the vote. In other words, if I say it's, it's in, it's in. If I say it's not, it's not. That's getting your players engaged and involved and letting them have a say. But it's not just giving them carte blanche to do half the game plan and we'll try and mesh it together like you know two different kinds of foods that shouldn't be in the same smorgasbord, which is what Nathaniel Hackett did. So there are some parts of it that, that, are, that are good that just got – off the rails but man the fact that everybody just for the most part everybody just pinned that all on russell wilson and how he's just such a bad guy and he's narcissistic and all the rest of this i'm just i'm over the russell wilson uh slander i really am i, I just think people uh, it, it were ready to pounce as soon as it went badly for a variety of reasons that are mostly personal and i'm gonna stand up for the guy because i think he was put in a very bad situation i think he's gonna prove everybody wrong and there's going to be a lot of people with egg on their face this year. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I, everything you're saying, I mean, you're making sense to me. I, I, I guess it just is tough for me to forgive everything that happened with Russ last year in the 5-12 and 12 year because Netflix came out our new show and Marcus Mariota hired his buddy to be his chef. Like, that just, that feels like, wow, Russ is now absolved of all blame because Marcus Mariota has a chef and Kirk Cousins has a chiropractor? It, it just feels like I, revisionist history. I, I just said that it, when you see how three other quarterbacks do it and that they all have a group of people that don't work for the team that also help them with their training, their quarterback skills. And there were people last year saying, like, you shouldn't meet a doctor that's outside. Remember when he, he flew to L.A. or something when he had the labrum? And I was like, why is he not meeting with – Lauren Landau and the trainers and all the rest of it's like people are getting on him for using anything outside of the team facility. And my point was when you watch three other quarterbacks of all different kind of ilk, you realize that's the norm. What Russ was doing wasn't abnormal, and people didn't bother to find that out before they just ripped him. And I think that's unfair. Just because Paxton didn't do it, just because Trevor didn't do it, just because, like, well, what do other quarterbacks who've been in the league a long time and had a lot of success do? And it just turned into Russell Wilson's all about himself, and it's like, nah, that's just unfair. That's totally unfair. Yeah, but I I think... I think we're, we're, again, we're kind of absolving Russell Wilson of blame for last year. And Russell Wilson was the single biggest reason that things went poorly last year. And I know I've called Nathaniel Hackett the worst head coach in Broncos history. Believe me, I get it. That Hackett was a big part of it, too. But last time I checked, Hackett didn't throw any passes. Hackett didn't show up to work 25 pounds overweight when camp started. Like, the, the biggest single problem last year was Russell Wilson. And I'm not just willing to ignore last year because, oh, other guys have this stuff too. It, it was the manner in which some of it was delivered, and it was clear dysfunction between Team Russ and the Denver Broncos. And I just hope this year Sean Payton puts a stop to that nonsense and Russell Wilson feels more like a Denver Bronco than he does Team 3. Well, I, I just think you're way overstating the Team 3 thing versus the, the Denver Broncos, right? Like, did we hear a single – have we read a single quote from a player – who complained about what went on last year. There was the hit piece, I forget where it was in, the athletic or whatever, and it was a bunch of anonymous coaches that were ripping it, and there wasn't a single player. I wrote the piece about it in denversports.com. wasn't a single player that said anything negative. In fact, it was all positive about Russell Wilson. He come, the, the, the players come out when there's this big thing about who went to his birthday party and he's not very liked, and players come out to his defense, and instead of people saying, 
oh, okay, it's, oh, look at Russ making his receivers go out and, and defend him. Like, what proof does anybody have that Russell Wilson forced his, his receivers to go out and defend him? It, it's just, it's nonsensical. It's just once you get on the side of we don't like you in the media, people are just all over everything you, you do, and they look at it through the complete worst lens possible versus what is a fair and objective way to look at it. I'm not absolving Russell Wilson of blame. If you read the, when you read the column, I talk about how he needs to play better. Let's just keep it to football, though. But I believe, and this is why he's going to have a big year, that most of his struggles were due to two, two things. One, the weight, which I you, you hit the nail on the head. Also, that's because the coach didn't do anything in training camp to get him into playing shape. But that's another conversation for another day. And and two, the fact that he was playing for a guy that didn't know what in the heck he was doing. And the proof of that is when they put Jerry Rosberg in charge for two weeks, Russell Wilson and everybody else looked a whole lot better with with really no other change than that. They did. They did. I'll give you that. The, the, the last two games were so much more fun to watch than the first 15. They were. Yeah, and that's Jerry Rosberg, a guy who's back selling hyperbaric chambers, right? It, it, that's not Sean Payton. So it, it's not – and I'm not absolving him, but it's not Russell Wilson who settles for a 64-yard field goal. It's not Russell Wilson who puts Melvin Gordon in the game that turns into a – season flipping uh scoop and score in week four against the uh, against the Raiders like there were so many of these things it's not Russell Wilson that has 13 guys on the field on special teams or no punt return on the field and special teams or all the rest of it it's just people want to pounce on things like you know trying to get the guys to, to stand up and yell defense or whatever it's like does he do things that are corny sure but let's focus on football and not worry about if you like somebody's personality. Because you know what? He's not a bad guy. If you want to pick on him for being corny, then let's talk about the fact that after practice every single day last year during training camp, he spent an hour plus signing autographs. Normally autographs after training camp, are it's six guys that you have to look at the roster to see who the heck it is. And one player you've heard of, it certainly isn't the quarterback. And he did it every single practice for an hour I'm more worried about that personality trait than whether or not he's a little bit corny on social media. Okay, all right. But, I mean, I would also encourage people to go read the very in-depth look at some of the charity stuff because we know what the giant checks presented said versus what actually went, and the, the percentages of that were kind of alarming too. So it's just there was there was a lot of rust that the, the, the charity stuff wasn't corny. That was eye-opening. That was concerning. And a lot of Ramos Law.com texters here at 3713 are bringing that up too. And I, I'm not going to – I don't think you and I need to sit here and debate whether or not Russ is a good dude. I agree with you. I think he's a good dude. But I do think that was one big black eye that is tough to ignore. Okay, and it happened Super Bowl week. And there was a lot of criticism of Russell Wilson prior to Super Bowl week. So that's, that, that's just a convenient thing to pull out that, to me, is more of a personal life off-the-field issue. doesn't mean we can't talk about it because we can uh, because he's very public about his, his charitable efforts. So, but it, but it, that would mean for all the people that are texting in, well, what about the charity thing? Okay, so they didn't say anything negative about Russell Wilson prior to Super Bowl week? Come on. That's being disingenuous. Fair, fair enough point. I, I don't want to get lost here, but it just – there was some other stuff that happened, too, that was beyond corny that sort of kind of festered into this whole thing of forget. I'm all for second chances, James, and I'm a Broncos fan, and I am hopeful. I am very hopeful that Russell Wilson wins comeback player of the year this year. Or he's right there with DeMar Hamlin in the conversation, and the Broncos go to the playoffs for the first time since Super Bowl 50. I just can't sit here and be all sunshine and rainbows when we're 11 days away from camp that this is all going to get fixed and they're going to go 12-5. and five. Because, uh, again, I mean, Sean Payton's a big upgrade. 
But other than that, I, I can't think of the, the roster move that, that screams seven more wins. Yeah, retooling the O-line, that's that's nice. Yeah, I like that. But you also lost Draymond Jones, and you replaced him with Zach Allen. You traded Bradley Chubb, and your defense got worse. So, yeah, I think the offense is going to be better, but I don't think there's any guarantees that the defense is better. Ezra Evero, who they should have bent over backwards to try to keep, they let him go to Carolina, and they hired Vance Joseph. Who was, who was terrible in his two seasons as a head coach here. Nice enough guy, but not a good football coach, at least in the time he wore orange and blue. That's a downgrade there, too. So forgive me for, you know, I know it's it's happy season and this and that, but I feel like we've reversed roles tonight, man, because you are just, you are full of optimism this season. Well, Ezra Evero is a guy whose defense was lousy in the second half of the season. It was. so Because uh, they were sick of covering for Russ and trying to win games 10-9. Oh, so once again, it's a Russ problem. So they were fine with Russ in the first half. We'll cover for him. In the second half, we can't possibly cover for him. I mean, it's like, listen, if you're a great defense and you're up 9-3, and who's the backup quarterback that they played against in Baltimore? You can't let Tyler, Tyler, go, Tyler Huntley, correct? You can't let Tyler Huntley go 92 yards to beat you. When you. Yeah, should your offense score more than nine points? Sure, but it's a Vic Fangio argument. You have the – you're defensive. That's supposed to be the strength of your team. That's the defensive coordinator we can't possibly let leave. He's playing against a backup quarterback, has a 9-3 lead, and gives up a 92-yard touchdown drive. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm just not going to weep over the fact that Israel Evero's – not here. Would I have liked? Would, would I have been fine if they'd have kept him? Sure, but I'm more of a broom everybody from that regime because it was that big of a disaster. And I don't think VJ is an upgrade. I don't think VJ is a downgrade. I think VJ is kind of as a defensive coordinator about as up and down as unproven. I think both of them probably have about the same odds someday of being a head coach uh, either again or for the first time. I'm just not. You know, I, I don't think that's all that big of a loss. I will say this: it's not that Russ didn't do anything that bothered me last year. I thought the stunt in London when he comes out to practice with his beats on and his sunglasses and you know that it's an ad and some staffer for the Broncos is going to have to be standing out there at practice and take all that stuff and, you know, whatever. It's not a big deal, but it's also like, well, you do enough of those things, it's just distractions. It's just things like, why are we not just rolling out and focused on football and worried about practice? So he does need to, you know, uh, put a stop to some of those kind of things. But he's also a guy that got sacked more than any quarterback in football. He played in two meaningless games at the end of the year when he could have just said, you know what, I'm good. Uh, there's no reason for me to be out here. Not only did he play in him, he's diving for a, a, trying to get in the end zone against the Chiefs and gets a egg on his head the size of, uh, you, you know, as big as anything you've seen. And it's like, okay, that that play right there, that's a guy I could I could get behind. That's the guy I'll follow because that's a guy who gives big time effort and puts his body on the line even when he doesn't have to. Doesn't have to. Let's give credit for those things too. If we're going to give him criticism for sunglasses and beats, that's all I'm saying. All right, I, I just want to know what they put in your water down in Arizona because you came back a changed <laughs> man. I'm just excited that Broncos football is here. Hey, I picked him 12 and five in May when the season came out, and you know it, it, when I can find a place that'll uh, will take that, I'm going to go hammer it. All right, no, I like it. I, in all seriousness, you you did make some good points. You do have me excited. I'm just, uh, I know you're looking out the front thing. I'm just still a little rearview mirror because, like I said, I think my analogy of look at the ovations Hackett and Outen got at the Nuggets game versus look at the ovation Sean Payton got. I'm not the only person in Broncos country who feels this way, James. There are a lot of gun shy people entering this year. There That's are. Fine. There and are. I, under, I understand why you are. I understand why everybody else is. That's why, you know, when the bandwagon starts down the road next Friday on the first day of camp, I ain't locking the door. Everybody can get in. And you know what? You can get in all the way through the playoffs if you want to. You can be a late-arriving 
uh, passenger on the bandwagon, that's totally cool, and I get it. Yeah, but no one's starting a bandwagon based on a training camp practice. I am. You, you know when people are going to jump on a bandwagon, James? Go beat the Chiefs on Thursday Night Football in Arrowhead. Okay. That's when people are going to jump on the bandwagon. Like, this kind of is how we started the show. I'm just as excited as you that camp is here, but we still got a little bit of a grind until actual real games start happening. So I think I think your bandwagon, I hope it fills up. It ain't filling up till they beat the Chiefs, I'll tell you that much. If they're five and zero and lose to the Chiefs and fall to five and one, you're telling me nobody's on the bandwagon. I will bet you a steak dinner. They don't come out of the gate at five and zero, dude. Well, I will say this: you look at the start of their schedule prior to that Week Six game. They better start strong. I mean, when you play what Washington, the Raiders, and Washington at home, you got, and then you go to Chicago, a team that had the number one pick before they traded it away, like. You got to start strong. So yeah, but you go to Miami in there too. That, that yeah, that's a loss. That's a so loss. They, they'll be four and one going into Arrowhead. They mm, won't be. You're you're just assuming they're going to beat Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, come on. I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers. He won back to back MVPs like two years ago. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We, we this 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 Jets team all of a sudden is a juggernaut. Nope, they're going to win that game here. And then who am I missing? Those are the five: Vegas Commanders, Dolphins, Bears, Jets, and then oh, yeah, they go the to Arrowhead. Yeah, yeah and then they go to Arrowhead Week Six. If they're below 500 going into Arrowhead, we're starting the Jarrett Stidham. When does he start countdown? I mean, that, that shows you the fork in the road here, man. No doubt. I mean, no that, doubt. That, 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 like, literally Russell Wilson's, maybe not too dramatic to say the word, Russell Wilson's career is on the line the first six to eight weeks of the season. I totally agree with that. I think he's got the right head coach now, and I think by looking at uh, pictures of him and, you know, seeing him down at the facility and things like that, he knows it. And he's ready to go. So barring an injury, he's going he's gonna to get people just lining up for my bandwagon. All right. Sounds good. I, I hope we see it. I hope we see it. And speaking of guys who got a lot on the line in the first eight games of the year, I've got an idea about Cortland Sutton. I want to flow past you next. Sports tonight on Denver Sports Station, 1043 The Fan. Appreciate all the feedback on the Ramoslaw.com text line, 303-713-1043 if you want to get in. He's James Merrillat. I'm Will Peterson. We'll be with you for another half hour or so on the show tonight. Uh, James, Matt Smith sent us a tweet. I think he sent it to you, and then he sent it to me because then you sent it to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russell Wilson connects with Coach Prime and his private workout with Cortland Sutton, Javante Williams, Greg Dulcich, and Chris Manhurts, run by Jake Heaps and, t- and Team 3 at Folsom Field. I think it's fantastic. There's nothing not to like about that. So, first of all, he's, he's out there putting in some work, right? It's uh, 10 days, 11 days till uh, they have to report to training camp. He's not, you know, down in Cabo and... Um, you know, acting like he's studying plays on his uh, on his on his iPad, and in reality, they're just hanging out. Like he's working, getting getting some work in. That's good. He's doing it with his teammates, who, according to some, they don't like him. But boy, there's a lot of them that sure showed up on a Monday right before the season starts to work out with him. And Jake keeps being there will be the thing that'll raise a bunch of eyebrows. That's not outside the norm, as we talked about, and as the the series quarterback on Netflix shows us. And that's who can be there. They're not allowed to be doing things with the team coaches at this point. So that's the best alternative. I think everything about that is fantastic. 
gets me even more excited, and uh, if you want to hop on the bandwagon, it's still open. Yeah, it does seem kind of funny, though. If I had told you a year ago Russ would be at Folsom Field with the Buffs, you'd be like, wait, what? <laughs> Why would Russ want any part of the Buffs or Folsom Field? And now it's like, man, that's the power of prime, right? Getting Russ and the boys up there today, that's pretty fun. Well, how about this? How about Imagine two years ago saying Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson will be in Boulder, working out with the Buffs who are coached by Deion Sanders. Yeah, I'd be like, what weird universe do you live in, bro? Exactly. I'm like, oh my gosh, this sounds like worse than one of those metaverses of whatever those movies are. It's like, how is that happening? Here we are. Let's hope both of them turn out positively. What do you make of uh, the crew up there with him? Because I do have a thought on Sutton I want to run by you here in a second. But Sutton, Javante, who we heard from at his camp, what, last week, said he's he's hoping to be ready to go by training camp. Which is remarkable. I, I that's the one that jumps out at me is most encouraging. That's like an Adrian Peterson type recovery, dude. Yeah. That's crazy. It's nuts. And it wasn't just an ACL. It was ACL, PCL, LCL. Like, there were some CLs in there I didn't even know existed because um, he tore three ligaments. So that's amazing. That's the part that jumped out at me is, oh, wow, okay. Uh, Dulcich, smart play, right? They brought in a lot of uh, tight end help during the offseason. Uh, draft day trade. Manhurts was a free agent they signed. And then during minicamp, Dulcich is kind of the guy who shined playing that, what, joker position? Yes. Um, I think that's smart because he has a great chance of being the pass-catching tight end. Manhurts, new new guy, but all right, already getting himself uh, acclimated. And then Cortland Sutton, man, I was on the morning show today, and they asked me, hey, they're not going to keep all five of these guys. Who do you think might get moved? I think Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton are the same guy. They're the big receiver, right? Do you really need both of them? One of them, if if everybody's healthy and they all look good during training camp, one of them might be moved. Cortland Sutton, I think, is uh, is probably the, the leading candidate for that if Tim Patrick is healthy. Wow, you led me right into my column tomorrow at denversports.com that I wrote this afternoon that will come out in the morning. And the column is, James, is that Cortland Sutton has an eight-game audition to impress Sean Payton, because you look at the trade deadline. I looked it up. It's on Halloween this year, your birthday, October 31st. Yeah. And that'll be eight games into the season for the Broncos. And I, I agree with you, but the I, I won't give away the column too much tomorrow because I want people to go check it out. But it was basically this dude has eight games to show Sean Payton that he's still worth being on the roster and his $18 million cap hit, which we all know is a big overpay. Hasn't been the same guy since he tore his ACL. And let's be honest, if you're not the same guy in 21 or 22, what makes anyone think you're going to be the, the 2019 version of yourself in 23? I think this is a big year for a lot of guys on the Broncos, James. I think it's the biggest year of Cortland Sutton's career if he wants to be an orange and blue moving forward. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with, with that at all. Um, and, and I do think, you know, because part of that is, are you going to find out just in training camp and preseason that Tim Patrick is good to go? Maybe, but that would be boy. That would be a quick verdict. Uh, you're right. You probably do go all the way to the, the the deadline. That would allow Cortland Sutton to build his value too. If he starts to show these what he used to be. The, the the problem with that though is if Cortland Sutton shows that he's the same player he used to be, it's like why would you trade him? You you went through all, you paid him all the all the money and all and spent all this time and did all the rehab to get him back here. It's a little bit like the Jamal Murray thing, right? Like hey, if you're gonna wait this long, you want to reap the rewards. Uh, and so it's not that I disagree with your theory because right before you, you outlined your column, I was saying he's probably the most likely. It, it just puts the Broncos in an interesting spot. Here's the other factor I think that's interesting with Cortland Sutton. The Broncos purged a lot of guys during the offseason who weren't necessarily the reason for the losing, but they were part of the losing culture for a long time. 
and that's Dalton Reisner. It's Brandon McManus. It's it's Graham Glasgow. I mean, the list. Draymond Jones, Jones. Yeah. The list kind of goes on and on. Cortland Sutton falls into that category, and I like Cortland Sutton, and I think he deserves a ton of credit for coming back and playing the year after his injury, even though he wasn't 100% and knowing he's going to go out there and not look like his normal self. But he did. He did. He went out there and found a way to have, you know, a modicum of success. I give him a ton of credit for that. I'm not blaming the losing on him, just like I wouldn't blame it on Dalton Reisner or Brandon McManus necessarily. But I do think they've kind of purged that era, sort of the end of Super Bowl 50, right, with McManus to the, all the, the, the big-name guys, most of the big-name guys kind of uh, during that, that bad stretch, other than Justin Simmons, perhaps, that might factor into it, too, of, hey, what's the what's the culture like? What's the chemistry like? Is right. it part of the problem or part of the solution? I don't know, but you'll find out by, by Halloween, I guarantee you. Well, and Sean Payton, when he took this job, he had to have known in a little bit of his back of his mind that he could be signing up for a rebuild. And he wasn't scared of doing a rebuild in New Orleans, and he did it really super quick, and the Saints got good almost overnight. But John Elway, James, refused to ever tear this thing down. He refused to really tear it down and admit it needed a full-on rebuild. And if they're 2-6, and six, in-season trades aren't that rare anymore. I mean, we just saw Von Miller get traded two years ago in season. We saw Bradley Chubb get traded last year in season. If they're 2-6, and six, I think Sutton's on the market. I think Patrick's on the market. And I think the one that would be the very toughest for Broncos country to swallow, but it's a name you just mentioned, I think Justin Simmons would be on the market as well because Sean Payton, again, isn't afraid of a rebuild because he knows he can do it quickly. If Randy Gregory's healthy, is he on the market? Like, yep. I think everybody sort of starts to become a part of that. Any of the big money guys that were brought in, prior to Sean Payton, which is most of them, right? Like, Zach Allen probably isn't going to be on the market. Mike McGlinchey's not. Ben Powers isn't. But kind of everybody else would be, depending on exactly what the cap ramifications would be. But, but yeah, I think that's a factor. And it kind of goes back to the Ezro Evero conversation we had um, last segment of, like, do I think Ezro Evero was the part of the problem and why the Broncos were 5-12 and 12 last year? No, he was the most competent coach on the staff. But you kind of just want to... You broom everything and get a clean slate. Same with up in Boulder, right? The, the, Deion Sanders has changed over that roster un, to an unbelievable extent. When you broom that many guys, are some good players going to get caught up in it? Yeah, but you don't have time to figure out well, which is who's a problem and who's not a problem, whether it's as a, from a playing standpoint or from a, a locker room standpoint. You kind of just got to brush them, brush them all. And I think to some extent some of these – Holdovers from this worst stretch of NFL football the Broncos have ever played it could get caught up in that if this team doesn't start off well, especially considering the fact of there's no excuse for not starting well. The schedule is very friendly in the first half. If they're not in a good spot at the buy or at the trade deadline, yeah, some of those guys are going to get moved. Yeah, and again, the, the, the new norm in the NFL is in-season trades are kind of like the NBA now. They just happen. Whereas five, six years ago, an in-season NFL trade was a big deal. And now, James, in-season NFL trades are just kind of commonplace. Yeah, and it's it's teams that are, to some extent, waving the white flag, um, which the Broncos clearly did last year when they traded away Bradley Chubb. And, yeah, they got a first-round pick out of it, which was amazing. I didn't think they would, and that turned into Sean Payton. Okay, I'd, I would make that trade, but it also was a defense that went in the tank after that. They weren't near as good, and they were 3-5 and five coming off that Jacksonville win. You know, you weren't out of it at that point, but you kind of signaled that you thought you were with that trade, same as Vaughn the year before so it'll be interesting to see where they're at I think if they're not you know right around 500 maybe a little bit above at that point you probably need do need to take a, a long view versus a hey how do we try to scrounge into the seven seed 
so we can get boat raced by the two seed on Wild Card Weekend. That doesn't make a lot of sense. All right, coming up on the other side, the Avalanche, they made a big move today, signing one of their key offseason acquisitions. And the Nuggets, one of their rookies took home an award from Summer League. Sports Station 1043 The Band presents Denver Sports Tonight. James Merillat, uh, do you want the good news of the day from the Avalanche or the Nuggets? I promise we'll get to both, but where would you like me to start? Uh, let's start with the Avalanche. So the Avalanche avoided potentially an awkward situation, and that okay. is salary arbitration. No okay. one likes to go to an arbitrator nope. to. You have to go in there and argue why your player doesn't deserve money. Exactly. And Ross Colton was one of their big trades of the offseason. Of course, they used one of the picks they got in the Alex Newhook trade to acquire Colton. Colton's already won a Stanley Cup with the Lightning. He lost the Stanley Cup uh, to the Avalanche with the Lightning. I mean, he's already played in 52 playoff games. He's only been in the league three years. So you're adding a guy with a lot of skill. Um, you know, 83 points in his NHL career, 47 goals, 36 assists. I'm not telling you they traded for Sidney Crosby, but they, you know, Ross Colton was one of their big offseason additions, at least to this point. Yeah. And uh, today they gave him a four-year deal worth $16 million, $4 million a year. Yeah, that, that that's smart. I think if you're going to trade for him and bring him in here, you're sending the message and clearly thinking to yourself, hey, he's part of our future. Not maybe, you know, hey, he's going to be here a decade, but he's part of this window, right? Like the, this championship window probably is that four-year stretch then make sure he's a part of it. Make sure you're not uh, continuing to see people leave, that you can lock him up. So that is a good move. That's good news. Okay, so the Avs have good news. What's the Nuggets' good news? So the Nuggets today find out that rookie Hunter Tyson, uh, their third pick out of three from Clemson, went number 37 overall in the the NBA draft, is on the first team, all-summer league team, uh, that the NBA released today. And Tyson was awesome, James. 23-year-old, he scored 20.8 points per game, six rebounds per contest, and he shot 54% from the field and 50% from three. Um, For Tyson to get that recognition of all 30 teams out there in Vegas, for him to be one of the top five players to make first team all summer league, looks like maybe Calvin Booth did it again. Yeah, no doubt. He was was really, really good. Um, I thought Jalen Pickett had some moments. I thought Colin Gillespie had some moments. Um, gosh, well, help me out here. I'm blanking on the, the first pick. That Ju- they had. Julian Strother from yeah, Gonzaga. Gonzaga guy. He had some moments. I probably would put him fourth out of those four, though. From and what, what, what about I, from, Peyton Watson? I know he only played in the first two. Yeah. I, I can't get over the dunk that he missed that, you know, if you had any action on that game, kind of stuck it to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he was fine. He was okay. Yeah, he didn't jump off of like, oh, my gosh, he's – Ready to be a big time con- contributor next year. He was he was fine, but of the four guys that kind of going into it, plus Peyton Watson, you're right. I I, I would I would say yeah, certainly uh, Tyson was number one. He, that's well deserved. He was really really good almost every single game. Wait, but okay, so now now I do have to ask you a question, not just about summer league, but moving forward. I don't want to put words in your mouth, so this is why I want your answer. Do you think, based on what we saw, and it's only four games, and Watson only played in two? Michael Malone needs two more rotation guys. Do you think as we sit here today on July 17th that Hunter Tyson now has the upper hand to be in the rotation over Peyton Watson? I don't know if he has the upper hand, but I would say it's kind of a dead heat going into training camp. Mm. Interesting. I think it's going to be based on, you know, who performs best in camp, who performs best in, pre- in preseason games, and then I think early in the year, 
they're both going to get their 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 minutes and get their shot, and Michael Malone will figure out which one he trusts more. I I just I think he played that well, and again, it's not that Watson didn't play well, but like, did he? I mean, I guess the first game, and I'm probably putting too much emphasis on the missed dunk, and I get it, but it it just was like, yeah, he was he was good, but. He, he he didn't seem to me to play at the same level as Hunter Tyson, so I would call it maybe a little bit of a dead heat going into camp. Yeah, and that's interesting, and that's why these summer leagues are so much fun, and that's why you know some people thought Calvin Booth might try to move up, and some of the things we heard is, hey, he wants to throw as many darts as possible and just see who hits, because if I had told you two weeks ago that we would both feel the same way, Tyson was phenomenal, and we were both kind of eh on Julian Strother, that would have that would have felt weird. We would have thought that Strother was the kid that came in and phenomenal, and and Tyson was the kid who was you know the third one, a little bit more of an afterthought, maybe a, a two way guy, a G League guy. And now all of a sudden we can sit here and legitimately say, oh, not only is he on the team, but he could be a rotation guy for the Nuggets at some point. Yeah, for sure. And and I think Colin Gillespie falls into that category. He was the second best player to me I, on a night in night out basis. Gillespie was, didn't wow me, dude. He just didn't. really yeah, he didn't. I don't know. Man. And I didn't see all four games of all forty eight minutes or however long forty minutes of all four games. But uh, he's just he a, didn't jump off the page to me. He's just a playmaker. He's just always in. Whether it's the highlights of of him scoring or someone else scoring, he just seems like he's always facilitating. I thought he was better than Jalen Pickett. And Pickett had some okay moments. I just thought Gillespie was was better. I think if you're looking at that race going into it of, hey, who's going to be this team's backup point guard? Reggie Jackson, they brought him back officially on the two-year deal. Clearly, the, the veteran's going to get first uh, crack at it. But which of the youngsters has a chance to play? I would put Gillespie ahead of Pickett by a pretty wide margin at this point. All right. Well, we'll have to see how it all shakes out. I mean, if we all know six who are in the rotation. The five starters pr- plus Christian Brown. I mean, just for the just for the fun of it, who who would you think if he runs an eight man rotation in the playoffs next year? Who do you think the other two are? Well, somebody with some size has to be in that. So is it Zeke Naji? Oh, I'm kind of out on Zeke Naji. I man. am too, but like, yeah. who's who's going to be the guy providing some size? I mean, they don't have anybody else. Like, who, who's the big that can come in for for Jokic or for AG? Yeah, but I mean, who was? You didn't. You didn't exactly lose a huge big in Jeff Green. But who's who's Jeff Green? I guess that's that's the better question. I, the I think they want it to be Peyton Watson. I think they want Peyton okay. Watson to be Jeff Green. I think Hunter Tyson has entered the chat on that though. I do. Okay. Yeah, I, I could see that. And then I think it's one of three guys. Is it Reggie? Is it probably Reggie? Is it Gillespie? Maybe. But it's probably Reggie Jackson's the other one. I'm gonna go ahead and venture that to say that person's not on the roster yet. <laughs> no, seriously. Well, I, I, trick I, question. But you're right. I think you're a hundred percent right. With I think that has trade deadline acquisition written all over it, right? Yep, no doubt. Yeah. All right, man, it was fun. Uh, we managed to hit the Broncos, the Nuggets, and the Avalanche. Rockies won yesterday. That was cool. Hey, the bandwagon's open if you want to get on. Team Russ, I'm the... Uh... Oh, I thought you meant the Rockies bandwagon. I said, yes, no, I no, know no. that one's open. They're still the worst team in the National League. Let's not get carried away. All right, sounds good. For KJ, for James, I'm Will. It's Denver Sports Tonight on The Fan.